0: a parent, or run a client-focused business. Coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey Difference Maker, you're getting a treat today, especially if you are new or just beginning to chase your Enneagram curiosity. This episode is for you if you really want to use the Enneagram as your personal development tool. You have the curiosity and the wonderment and the desire to actually learn it, to make improvements in your personal and your professional life. You want to give yourself that peace, and freedom that you long for, and so that you can empower others to do the same. Now, if you're new to the Enneagram, I do recommend that you learn the nine acknowledgement languages first, because you're going to see quicker wins in your life. The Enneagram is the bigger, more robust GPS. (laughs) It's the GPS for your personal growth, but it is a longer journey. It's longer than what many of us have the attention span for. So today I decided to publish an excerpt of one of the nine acknowledgement languages classes that I taught earlier this year to give you a bigger picture of why this is such an important concept. Basically, it's a precursor to the Enneagram and it's gonna make your Enneagram journey easier to understand and quicker to integrate into your life. Let's go ahead and get started. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, parents, and mentors like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective in what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jen Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make and have fun doing it. Your personality is your business. So let's get down to business. All right, so what is personality? So my definition of personality is patterns of behaviors as a means of getting what you want and avoiding what you don't want. So in other words, they're basically coping strategies. Uh, We go throughout our life, every time um, we go towards something that we want, we're using coping strategies in order to move closer to it. Or if we're faced with something that we don't want, then we have coping strategies to repel those or or move away from those things. So so I'm going to go through a couple of ideas that I have developed in my business. So using that definition of personality, We also have a personality paintbrush. And this is just a fancy way of saying projection. So everything that we do is filtered through this, our personality. And I say we paint our world with our personality paintbrush. Our views, our truth, whatever my truth is, I tend to first define my world through my truth. Um, without proper mindfulness and that's just kind of our default behaviors that that is a human behavior the next um, idea I wanted to discuss was the personality tripod now you've heard of get to your core or that's not who I am at my core that core is your essence it's not it's not your your emotions it's not your thoughts or beliefs and it's not your body it's just who you are it's your psyche, it's your soul. It's that essence that makes you up, your driving force, your life force. And your personality tripod, I'm not sure if I should say makes up your core. Um, Maybe I'll think of a different way to say that next time, but it supports your core. That's a better way. That's a better way to say it. So your personality tripod supports your core and it's made up of your core motivations. These are your strong wants and it's it's rooted in your emotional responses, your core strengths, and these are your superpowers. And a lot of times when I'm talking about these core motivations and core strengths, these are all very subconscious. We don't know how strong they are and how much they drive us. So these core strengths are your superpowers um, and This is how you physically respond to things. And the reason why I call them strengths is a lot of times something comes easy to us that doesn't come easy to other people. And we don't even recognize that we just, with that personality paintbrush, we kind of just assume that other people know this or do this or think this or feel this, however it is that we're feeling. Um, Does that make sense? I love y'all picking it up. I can see all the head nods actually I'm gonna I can't see there you are hello (laughs) okay so and then the the third thing is core values and our core values are what we strongly believe in so this is an intellectual response Okay, now we all value different things um, that might be surface. Like I value family, right? But I did—I wasn't born valuing family. That was something that I developed. So sometimes um, if you say, well, one of my core values is family, that absolutely might be true. But sometimes we have to dig deeper to see, well, why, why do I value family? What is it that I value even more um, and then get to those core values so what it's like is like this stool a three-legged stool but it's more fun to say personality tripod than personality three-legged stool <laughs> so each of those legs um can y'all see my mouse each of those legs represents your core motivations your core strengths and your core values and when each of those legs is strong and stable, then you are strong and stable, but if one leg is missing, what happens to the stool? Yeah, you are no longer stable, okay, and everything that you do just takes so much more effort just to stay grounded it's shaky ground and life constantly becomes this balancing act and we think it's other things in the world like i need to balance my work and i need to balance my life but uh, my home i mean my work life and my home life but really it's it's balancing this three-legged stool the personality tripod so instead of spending energy balance, trying to balance yourself and your life on a broken stool, doesn't it make more sense to spend your energy fixing the stool? And that's our personality. It keeps your foundation stable and that way you're stable too. And you can stand taller and it's kind of like a step stool. I'm short. I'm, y'all won't, wouldn't know this, but I'm only five feet tall. So i I'm only this big. (laughs) You could squish me with your fingers. And so I have to stand on a stool just to cook dinner. (laughs) And so um, when you have this step stool that you can stand on, you're standing taller, you can reach higher up, you can reach taller cabinets, you have access to more. And if you do fall, if you fall off the stool, at least you know that you have something sturdy to climb back on. It's not foolproof. But you know it's going to be sturdy to climb back on. And just think for a second about if you had that kind of confidence boost to know that whatever you climbed on, it was going to be able to hold you up. So personality is kind of like our wiring and our operating system. And if if your computer's operating system has been hacked, how motivated are you to kind of just go fix it? Not me and I guess if you're a tech guru, you you would be motivated to go fix it. Um, but I'm just like, no, somebody else do it. Can you just fix this? Can you take care of this? I mean that at least that's me. Tell me if anybody can relate to that or or if you handle that differently. Um, and and even if I did, it would be making myself do it because I wasn't sure if it was gonna be stable but, When you know that you can climb a a stool that's going to be stable, you can jump back into the saddle right away. And that's what I call personality wellness. Oh, I see. I already clicked that up. So that is what I call personality wellness. It's the act of finding and maintaining the integrity of your personality tripod. I'll say that again. It's the act of Finding and maintaining the integrity of your personality tripod. Personality wellness really requires us, I call it dig and rise. So we have to dig underneath the seat of this this three-legged stool. We have to dig underneath that stool, see what's under there that needs to be fixed, that needs healing. And then we got to rise up and stand back up on the stool. Sometimes we just want to look under the stool and we forget to rise. And that's boxing. Uh, So personality wellness is the act of unboxing your personality. Let's see what needs to be fixed and then actually stand up on it once it's fixed. Okay, so now what is the difference between personality and your Enneagram type? Your Enneagram type explains why you have patterns of behaviors that you do. So your personality is the pattern of behaviors, but the Enneagram is the why behind it. Your Enneagram type gives you clues about the status of your personality wellness. And it also gives you clues about who you are and who you aren't, which if you're my podcast fan, that's in my intro, (laughs) who you are and who you aren't. And that frees you up. It helps you with boundaries and boundaries aren't what trap you in. Boundaries actually give you freedom, but The bottom line for this this slide is, it's important that we make the distinction that your Enneagram type isn't you. You are not your Enneagram type. Now we can say, you know, I'm a type seven, but really in truth, it's I identify with a type seven or I operate like a type seven. Uh, But one of the things that I'm want, the information that I'm wanting to get out there is to make sure people know that they aren't the box. They're just in it. The number is the box, but you're not the box. Cuz if you think you're the box, then you can't get out of it. Um and truth be told, your personality isn't you either, but that's for <laughs> that's for later. <laughs> um so what happens when we're stuck in a box? What are some of the things that can happen to us? Why is that important to know? Let me know in the chat. No room for expansion or change. Mm -hmm. People expect you to behave a certain way. You pressure yourself to be. To be the number. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Closed-mindedness. You're judged by their expectation. Yeah. Or at least feel judged. Um, Assumptions about that box type. You don't get lazy. Oh, like looking under the hood and not standing up on the stool. Is that what you mean by that? Using traits as excuses. Mm -hmm. You still have room for improvement, no excuses. I find that people get a vision of that and try to live into it, live into the number. Yes, it's true. Like one of the things that I have noticed uh, just helping people type themselves is that if you are pretty sure that you're a type, like you just, because somebody told you, because the test told you, because you read books and you came to the conclusion, you can make anybody fit into a type because the types are so similar. The differences are very nuanced, but behaviorally, all the types are so similar. Even the patterns can be similar that you can you can actually make yourself fit into a type. Excuses, just, justification for unhealthy behaviors. People use their number for poor behavior. Easy for excuses or justification, such as that is a seventh thing. Yeah. Now, sometimes it's fun to say, oh, that's the eight in me or that's the seven me. Or, as long as it is a part of your self-awareness um, and you're recognizing like something's coming like, oh, I do that because... I'm a seven. That's okay to do. Um, it's not okay to stay there. You still—that's you, digging. That's looking under the seat and digging under the hood to see which of our which of our legs are stable. Um, and if you stay there, then it's not okay. But just as long as you stand up and be better because of it. All right. I've never taught that slide before. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Okay, so what is the Enneagram? Um, so the Enneagram is it's a Greek word. Ennea is Greek for nine. Gram is Greek for picture or diagram. So Enneagram is quite literally a picture of nine. So if you look at the diagram, there are nine numbers, there are a circle, and there are lines. So that's what makes up the full diagram. And each of the nine numbers represent perspectives of the world. So when I'm doing this on a whiteboard, I usually draw eyeballs. <laughs> I usually draw eyeballs um, in the middle of the diagram, just to as a reminder, as a visual, that they're perspectives of the world. Uh, is how we filter the world, how we express ourselves, how we are wired, um, and as you can see, they're all connected by a cir- the circle that represents community. And each number has two lines that come up from it, and that's how we connect into the community. We are wired to move into default patterns. It's important to know that one type is not better than another; they're just all different. So, if you say, you know, I'm glad, I wish I were this type uh it doesn't make you better if you're not the the healthy version of it so it's better to wish that we were the healthy version of our own type um does that make sense um and this is this is kind of a controversial part about you who came up with the enneagram Uh, who invented it well nobody really invented it it was discovered. And whoever the first person was discovered, we really don't know because it was kind of a secret for a really, really long time. It only um, went through the circles of the most knowledgeable people. And if you study the Enneagram for any amount of time, it is a tool for intellectuals. I'm not I'm not going to lie. Um, if you really want to use it as a tool and not just a, you know, Hogwarts house personality test it is for someone who I shouldn't say intellectuals because that sounds like I'm talking about smart person persons versus not smart persons but people who want to learn it um who have that curiousness and wonderment and the the desire to learn it but it was discovered my best analogy for this is like if you were watching I don't know what a bird what a bird scientist is but let's say you're a bird scientist (laughs) (laughs) and you're watching you're observing the flight patterns of birds okay and then you write a paper on it or you write lots of books summarizing the flight patterns of birds and you explain it to others did you invent the flight patterns of birds No, (laughs) they were over there. You were just the observer of it. And then the teacher, you passed on that knowledge to other people. So that's how I see the Enneagram. The Enneagram is about patterns of behaviors and the motivations behind those and how they've been categorized. So if we talk about when when was it discovered, whenever the first person who sat down and noticed that there were nine groups of people who kind of followed the same flight patterns. <laughs> so as long as people have been behaving, that's how long the Enneagram has been around. All right, so without going too deeply, I just wanna kind of give you a visual cause I think it's fun, but it gives you a big picture purpose of, of the Enneagram because it is tempting to just bond ourselves to a number. But I'm gonna show you my little Lego box So remember I said each of them are perspective. So each of the numbers basically represents a box. So I have a little Lego box here. So if you can imagine each each one of these has a box and there's a little window that we're looking out of. You see my little Lego guy looking out of the box. So that is our perspective. But do you see how limiting our perspective is? Okay. I stopped editing here because I started pulling out the Legos and the audio just didn't give it justice. You just had to be there. But as I continued to teach about the infrastructure of the Enneagram, I explained how the number one way we mess up typing is that we focus too much on the behaviors of the types and not the motivations. Silly brains. (laughs) And in doing that, what we do is... By accident, we box ourselves in and we can trick ourselves into believing that we're making healthy responses when we're not. Check out episode 20 to hear my story of how I was on the wrong path to growth because I had mistyped myself. So, why don't we come up with a better way? Well, that's why I developed the nine acknowledgement languages. I developed this concept as a better way to view the Enneagram because they're based on behaviors and they're more reliable at pointing to your correct type without having to fully understand those pesky subconscious motivations that for some people will struggle to come to the surface. Better yet, you don't even need to know your Enneagram type to start working on your personality wellness and begin balancing your life like improving your relationships and gaining more clarity in your business, understanding what motivates you and what makes you procrastinate and being able to create self-care routines that actually make you feel good about yourself. And my favorite bit is that the nine acknowledgement languages allow you to view people as people and not numbers. When we rise above the boxes, we can see the humanity behind society. And that is what my new book is all about, Understanding Your Nine Acknowledgement Languages. The launch is happening in just a few weeks. And if you would like to be a part of my launch team and get an advanced copy to read before launch day, to review and rate, of course, click the link in the show notes. Now there may or may not be prizes involved. Hint, there is. But mostly I would love your support and encouragement as I'm setting out to deliver something into the world that I really, really care about so deeply. I want to help people to get unstuck and to become their best selves. So join me and be one of the first to learn about the nine acknowledgement languages so you can unbox yourself, discover how you need to be validated, reset, and then rebalance, and then rise up on your three-legged stool and unleash your power. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com at how you are different so you can make your difference.